0: Growing in God's Word and learning what it means to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh.
1: There's not a Jesus pill that you can just hand to somebody here, take two of these. You know, and, they tell, and they're just like fully devoted follower of Jesus. It doesn't work that way. Somebody has to share the message of Christ.
0: If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, do you remember how you first heard the good news of Jesus Christ? Maybe it was a family member or a pastor or a co-worker, but it's a pretty safe bet that somebody or maybe several people proclaimed Christ to you.
1: Prayer is the bedrock. We have to devote ourselves to it. We have to be consistent in it. Has to be focused on God accomplishing His purposes and God's kingdom expanding. But then share is where the rubber meets the road. Somebody has to share.
0: I'm Rick Freeman. Welcome to Crosswalk. Proclaiming Christ is the mission of the church, and in the last chapter of the book of Colossians, we find the Apostle Paul reminding us of the importance of that task and giving us three essentials for the mission of proclaiming Christ. Last week, we looked at the first essential, prayer. As Pastor Clay shared with us last week, without prayer, we'll never see the power of God at work.
1: God has chosen to use our prayers as part of the power process for the spreading of the gospel. And if God has chosen to use our prayers, then you and I need to get real honest with ourselves and ask the question, is the proclamation of the gospel being hindered by my prayer life?
0: This week, as we come to the conclusion of our series in the book of Colossians, we'll see the other two essentials for proclaiming Christ. We're living in uncertain times, to be sure, and the message of Jesus is the only hope the world has. We simply can't afford to waste any time. Now, here's Pastor Clay with this week's crosswalk. Glory,
1: Colossians chapter 4 is the last section of my outline. As I've broken this book down, as we've walked through this summer and this fall through the book of Colossians. uh, Colossians chapter 4 is the last section. I think we've had Christ uh, presented and we've had Christ preeminent and we've had Christ protected. The idea of that we have to protect our, our theology. We have to know what we believe and why we believe and we have to hold on. To that theology, and then in chapter three, Christ practiced that. That if this thing is real in our hearts and in our lives, if this whole Jesus thing is real to us, that it will come out. It will manifest itself in our lives. It's Christ uh, practiced, and then last week we began the final section, Colossians chapter four, and Christ proclaimed. And uh, this morning, good Lord willing, we will finish. Uh, Colossians chapter 4 by looking at some uh, the two additional essentials to proclaiming Christ. Colossians chapter 4 is where we are. I'm going to read the text again this morning, verses 2 through 18. And just if you're here for the first time and you're saying, well, why isn't he reading verse 1 just... To say it again, uh, we, we include it, ch- verse 1 of chapter 4 and the tail end of chapter 3 in that whole issue where Paul's dealing with slaves and masters and what that really meant and what it means to us and what uh, the, their, each of their responsibility was. So Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 and following this morning. Are you glad you're here today? Yes. I am so glad you're here today. I really am. And like I said, you've honored God with your presence and that's the most important thing. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open up to us a door for the Word, so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ, for which I have also been imprisoned, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. As to all my affairs, Tychius, our beloved brother and faithful servant and fellow bondservant in the Lord, will bring you information. For I have sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know about our circumstances, and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of your number. In other words, he was from Colossae. They will inform you about the whole situation here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, sends you his greetings, and also Barnabas's cousin Mark, about whom you received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And also... Jesus, who is called Justice, that, as I said last week, that was a very common name in those days, Uh, these are the only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are from the circumcision. They were Jewish. And they have proved to be an encouragement to me. Epaphras, who is one of your number, a bond slave of Jesus Christ. Most people believe that Epaphras was the pastor of the church in Colossae, that he had, uh, had started that church. He sends you his greetings, always laboring earnestly for you in his prayers, that you may stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. For I testify for him that he has a deep concern for you and for those who are in Laodicea and Heropolis. Luke, the beloved physician, sends you his greetings, and also Demas. Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and also Nympha and the church that is in her house. When this letter is read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. That was a common practice. They would, they would transfer the letters back and forth. And you, for your part, read my letter that is coming from Laodicea. Say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. Verse 18, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. That may sound like sort of a strange ending, by the way, but uh, whatever Paul, some of Paul's infirmities were and issues were, uh, they sometimes, not only Paul, but others would use uh, a person who would actually write the letter for him that would be dictated. Uh, It's uh, it's a, I forget what the word is called, but it's it's hard word. And, And so a hard word person would write the stuff and then Paul would sign it at the end. Well, scribe sounds good. That's Close enough for government work. I, Paul, write the greeting with my own hand. Remember my imprisonment. Grace be with you. He's in prison. He's in Rome. Well, he's writing this letter to the church in Colossae. He finishes this letter, uh, speaking of these who are involved, and I'll talk about that in a minute. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my imprisonment. Grace be with you. Uh, Last week, as I said, we began in Colossians chapter 4, we began this section called Christ Proclaimed, and we began with the first of three essentials in this idea of proclaiming Christ. If we're going to proclaim Him, I said, based on what Paul says in Colossians 4, there are three essentials that have to be a part of our life and our ministry. And the first one of those essentials that we spent all of last week looking at is the, the essential of prayer. That we must pray. That without prayer, we'll never really see anything happen that's of God's size. And I I honestly, I truly believe that. That prayer is foundational to the work that we are involved in. If we are going to impact our community that starts here and goes to the far reaches of the earth, we simply must pray. There's no way around it. And based on what Paul says there in those opening verses of Colossians chapter 4, I said that there were two Uh, aspects, if you will, of our prayer, that that we have to see in our prayer. Our prayer has to be faithful and our prayer has to be focused. Those two things. He says uh, there in verse uh, 2 of Colossians chapter 4, let me read it to you real quick. He says, devote yourselves, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. It is, it is this sold out, committed to, faithfully involved in busying ourselves in prayer. And we talked about that last week and how, how ironic it is that the busyness of our lives keeps us from the business of prayer. And, and I think every one of us, if we got honest, said, yeah, there's a lot of times in my life when I would probably spend more time in prayer if I didn't have to be here, or I didn't have to do that, or if I didn't have that on my schedule, I didn't have this responsibility. And so, but, but Paul says, man, we've got to be faithful at this. We cannot quit. We cannot give up. We have to get in this thing. We have to build the foundation of proclaiming Christ on prayer. And that prayer, the majority, certainly the majority of that prayer has to be focused on one particular thing, and that is the building of the kingdom of God. And that's what Paul goes on and says uh, in verses three and four that a door would be. Open. Pray that a door would be opened. Pray that wisdom would be given. Pray that the power of God would be at, at, at operative power as it moves and, and works in people's lives. It's focused prayer. As I said last week, there's certainly nothing wrong with praying for other things in our lives. There's certainly nothing wrong with praying for needs that we have or that other people might have. But truly, you don't find much of that in Paul's prayer life. What you seem to find is that the focus is on this expansion of the kingdom of God. That is absolutely the first essential. And without it, we're just never going to see all that God would want to do. So... The second essential, then, the first is prayer. The second, you know I got to do it, is share. The second essential is share. Look what Paul says in verses 5 and 6. Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt so that you will know how you should respond to each person. Prayer is the foundation, right? Prayer is the bedrock. Everything has to come off of prayer. We have to devote ourselves to it. We have to be consistent in it. it has to be focused on God accomplishing His purposes and God's name made, being made famous and God's kingdom expanding but then share, as the old saying goes, ladies and gentlemen, share is where the rubber meets the road. Somebody has to share, folks. Well, that's what the preacher does, what we pay him for. Thank you, appreciate that very much. But each of us have this responsibility. Hey, can I just, I mean, I know we know this, but can I just say this to you? There, there's not a Jesus pill that you can just hand to somebody. Here, take two of these. You know, and, they tell, and, they're, just, and they're just like, Fully devoted follower of Jesus. It doesn't work that way. Somebody has to share the message of Christ. And just as with our first essential, there were two aspects of prayer, faithful and focused. So there are two aspects of share. And the first one is our walk. Our walk. Again, verse 5 says... Conduct yourselves. Matter of fact, if you will, uh, if you're if you're looking up, I may still be writing down that word. But if you'll look up, if you'll say this out loud with me, conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Conduct yourselves. Conduct yourselves. Conduct. In other words. Your walk. The, the, the verb literally means walk. The word that's translated there is conduct yourselves. It's, it is your walk. It is your way of life. It is the way you interact and the way you go about living your life that has an impact on the people around you. And sharing Christ, proclaiming Christ, includes our walk. And what our walk looks like and how we interact with people and the differences that we make. Con- your conduct. By the way, uh, the phrase that Paul uses there uh, in verse 5 about outsiders, Paul's not uh, using a derogatory term. He's not trying to insult uh, people. He's simply stating a spiritual fact that people who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ are outside of the family of God. Those of us who have received Christ as our Savior when the Spirit of God worked in our lives because someone shared with us, right? We talked about that last week. Because someone shared with us and we were were brought inside the family of God. Those of us who uh, that has occurred to, we now go outside. In other words, we go where they are and we share with them this wonderful news of Christ. And part of the sharing is in Our walk. And the reason Paul gives for why we have to do this is that he says that we have to make the most of the opportunities that we have. Making the most of the opportunity. Paul's saying something there, folks. Making the most of the opportunity. Here's why. Can I remind you? Can I remind us of this today? Every single person that you and I have met know or will meet is on a collision course with eternity. Every single person is on a collision course with eternity. And the Bible says that every single person will spend that eternity in one of two places, heaven or hell. Can we really afford to squander any opportunity? No, we can't. And so... Here's what our walk needs to look like. Our walk should be authentic. It's got to be authentic. In other words, it's got to be real. We can't... We, y'all know what I, You can't fake it, right? I mean, not, this thing has to be real. The Christ in us is the Christ that has to come out of us, or certainly should be the Christ that comes out of it. Who we are as a follower of Jesus has to be authentic. It's amazing to me what people... Can fall for sometimes. It amazes me how gullible people can sometimes be. But I'm going to tell you something. People sooner or later will see through a fake. You give them enough time and you give them enough evidence from your life and they'll see through it. And so what we have, it has to be authentic. I remember talking with this guy one time. Um, you know, I invited him to church and I was just talking to him about you know relationship with God and, and that sort of thing. And he asked me what church that I went to and I told him and he says, oh, I know so-and-so. He's my boss at work. He's a deacon in that church, isn't he? And I said, yes, he is. And I thought, this is great. He's got, already somebody that he knows, and he's going to be that much more willing to come to church, and that's going to be awesome. And that's and what he says to me. No thanks. I've seen how he acts at work. And that's and what he said. And if that's what Christianity is, I don't need it. It, it, this thing's got to be authentic, folks. It has to come out of our lives because it's part of who he is, who we are. We we don't get it right all the time, do we? We we, we don't. Sometimes our flesh gets the better of us. All, but this idea of authenticity, so it's a part of our walk. Not only does it need to be authentic, but it needs to be attractive as well. It's attractive. Now, when I say attractive, I don't mean attractive like you know, the way a model walks. You know, I, I, whatever. I, I shouldn't even try that, should I? I don't know. I don't know. Don't go there. Stop. However a model walks. Do models have walks, right? Am I right? Have y'all models walk? I have no idea what y'all are saying, but I probably don't need to repeat it anyway. So uh, not, not, not attractive like that, but that our life is such as this authentic Jesus that's in us comes out of us. There's something in that that attracts people. To that Jesus. It's attractive to the, to the world around us. In other words, um, the way we handle stress, right? The way we handle stress. The way we don't get angry in a situation that might cause us to get angry. The way that we have peace in our life. Or the way that we have joy in our life. Or, 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 or the way that we're able to uh, love selflessly. The very things that you and I should uh, display in our life are the very... Can, this, can I just... They're the very things that everybody ultimately wants in their life. Y'all know that? Everybody wants peace. Everybody wants hope. Everybody wants purpose and meaning and, and lack of fear. Everybody wants to, to be stress-free and, and let go of all. Everybody wants all of that stuff. And when they can see it in our life, man, it's, I'm telling you, it's like a magnet. It's attractive to them. Hey, I, I want to have peace like that guy has. I want to have a marriage like they have. I want to have the joy that she has. I want that in my life. It's attractive. Some of you have heard me say this before. I've I've given this uh, before. I came across this a couple years ago where uh, somebody did a a survey of people that work in restaurants. Waiters, waitresses, restaurant personnel. And And one of the questions that they asked them was, what is the worst day of the week to work? And the majority answer was Sunday afternoon. And the reason was, are any of y'all, has anybody in here worked as a waiter or waitress before? Would, would y'all agree? I used to flip burgers at Burger Queen, but I, I, didn't, I didn't wait on tables. So um, they said Sunday afternoon when the church crowd comes in. This is what they said. They're rude, they're demanding, and they're cheap tippers. That's, that's what they said. Now, I, I know that none of us would ever. Do that. None of us would ever act that way. And, I, I, and I, I mean that. I know that y'all desire to be attractive to the world around us. None of us but if you're ever with somebody that acts that way, please do me a favor. Do not pull out an iBite card and leave it for that person. Because there's nothing attractive about a person that acts that way. And again, I, I know we're not perfect. Again, I know we don't get it right all of the time, but, but we have to be conscious of the fact that we have been, we've been given this thing that, that in church circles we call the Great Commission. We've been given this thing to go and take the message of Jesus, to proclaim him to the world around us, and that includes our walk, and our walk has to be authentic, and our walk has to be attractive. People have to say, boy, that, that, man, that, that looks kind of good. I, I might I, I might want to... Know more about that. So, the second essential is share. The first aspect of share is our walk. The second aspect of share is our talk. Look at verse 6. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned as it were with salt, so that you may know how you should respond to each person. Boy, you can really tell, can't you? As Paul's getting into this, this, these, this last bit of detail, this last bit of instructions that he's giving to the church, he's really thinking about this. He's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he's really, boy, make sure that your speech is always seasoned with grace. Like salt, in other words, it, it, it's, it's a flavoring to your life. To your life. It, 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 it adds to your life so that you may know how you should respond to each person. One of the things that reminds us of or tells us of is that uh, our approach, we have to think through how we approach people. This great commission that we've been given uh, includes what we might call the Greater Research Triangle Park community. Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill, Cary, uh, and points all over, where all of all it may, may be. It's, it's central North Carolina. That, that, that's, that's part of our Great Commission, but it doesn't stop there. And it goes throughout this state and it goes into this nation and it goes around the world. And listen to me, the truth that we proclaim, the truth of the cross, the truth of Christ, that truth never changes, right? That truth ever cha- never changes. And if it ever changes, if, ever, if it ever changes from up here, y'all should fire me on the spot. It never changes. But how we present that truth may vary from person to person or culture to culture, depending on where we are and who we are engaged with. It's our talk and two uh, ideas about our talk. And the first one is that our talk needs to be humble, humble. Again, notice what Paul said in verse 6 when he said, It is to always be with, say the word with me, grace. Don't you just like the sound of that word grace? That our speech, our talk is to always be seasoned with grace. Can I just remind us of this as well? You and I are no better than anybody else. If we've been to the cross, and we've experienced the grace of God in our life. There is no room for arrogance. There is no room for pride. There is no room for a holier-than-thou attitude in the body of Christ. Now, I know. I know it happens. But there is no room for it. And that you and I, when we approach people, it should be in humility, recognizing that, that hey, we're, we're just a sinner saved by grace. And the only difference between us and that person is that we've somebody shared with us. And somebody introduced us to Jesus. And somebody shared the message of the cross with us. And we responded to that. And now we're trying to share it with others. We, it, it's always got to be with humility. And not some idea that, oh, well, that person. I uh, was in Africa a number of years ago uh, on a mission trip. And the team I was with had a van driver who was a Muslim. He, he was a Muslim. And he was a very nice gentleman, uh, but he was not a Christian. He'd been hired uh, to, we had several, we had a pretty good sized team at that time and had a number of people traveling in vans and our driver happened to be a Muslim. And one day as we were driving, one of the guys on our team decided that it was time for him to, and that, um, yeah, present the gospel to this guy. It was time to witness to this guy, which, don't get me wrong, in in and of itself, that's we're called to share the good news of Jesus with those that we can. So, in and of itself, there's nothing wrong with that. But this guy took this bulldog approach to this thing. I mean, really, it was very uh, antagonistic uh, toward this man, toward his beliefs, uh, toward Islam. And and he, just, and he just launches into this kind of canned presentation. But he does it in a very militant, uh, a, a very antagonistic way. Wait, you know what I'm talking about? Do you know what I'm talking about? (laughs) I wanted to be militant for a minute. (laughs) So he just launches into it. And it's clear that this guy does not want to hear it, right? I mean, and he says so. And he says very politely, he says, and this guy could speak English. He says, thank you very much. I I don't, I'm I'm not interested in hearing about Esau. What they would call Jesus, Esau. No, no, I don't, I know about Esau. I don't want to, the guy doesn't care. He just plows on. He just goes right on. And he, he just, you know, da 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 whatever all he's saying. And again, the driver says, I, I don't want to hear anymore. I'm not interested. I, I like uh, Islam. Allah is my God. I don't want to hear any more of this. Plows right on. Just, I mean, just pow, 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 pow. And finally, and it happened at the same time, me and there were two or three other guys at the same time said, Tom, that wasn't his name, but Tom, that's enough and he had to get it one more shot in. And so he, says, so he says to the guy, fine, if you want to go to hell, go ahead then. Listen, folks, you and I cannot force anyone into the kingdom of God, nor should we try. The decision to receive Christ as our Savior is a decision that each person must make. They make that decision based on the fact that we or someone has shared with them God's love, has shared with them our need, has shared with them what Christ has done, and under the conviction of the Holy Spirit as God draws them, they make that decision, but we cannot force anyone into that decision. And there was, I don't know what you would call that guy's gospel presentation that day. But I can tell you this, it wasn't grace as seasoned with salt. And I would bet the farm, if I owned a farm, that that Muslim van driver thought a lot less of Jesus and his followers after that encounter than he did before. And I would also, as long as I'm betting the farm that I don't own, I'll bet the cows too that I don't own, that that same Muslim van driver would have been much less receptive the next time somebody wanted to share with him about Jesus. No, Paul says, no, no, guys. Listen, this isn't, this isn't forced conversion. That's what, that's what other religions do. This is about us sharing what Christ has done in our lives. This is, as one of my favorite kind of old sayings go, that the, the message of sharing Jesus is simply this. It's simply one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. That's what it is. Which then brings us to the other idea about our talk. It has to be humble and it has to be hopeful. It should be hopeful. Listen, can can I get a witness in here? Is there anybody in here that gets tired of watching the evening news? Is there anything good that ever happens anywhere that people will report on? Listen, this is a messed up world we live in. This is, I, I think this may be as dark a time in the history of the world in my lifetime that I've ever seen. Nations, governments are falling. Economies are crashing. Families are, are crumbling. We, we've, got, we've got natural disasters. We've got man-made disasters. We've got terrorists. People need hope. Ladies and gentlemen, people need hope. Can I tell you this? They don't need a lecture. They need hope. They don't need religion. They need hope. No offense, but they don't need Oprah's guide to life. They need hope. And hope has a name, ladies and gentlemen. And his name is... That's right. That's right. It's hopeful. We need to give them hope. And they need to see that hope in our lives. Uh, The townhome... subdivision where Cindy and I live, uh, the, uh, the Homeowners Association are, are painting, having all the doors painted in our, in our townhomes. And so uh, uh, Monday, Steve showed up to paint our door. Now, Mondays are normally my writing days. I'm trying to do some writing, and, and Mondays are usually reserved for that. And Cindy uh, was gone. Uh, the doorbell rang. And I went down there, and there was Steve, and he wants to begin to paint our door, needs the door open. And, and I, I had plenty to do on Monday, right? Right? Everybody's got, usually got plenty to do on Monday. Plenty of stuff to do. And we can't shirk our responsibilities. I'm not saying that. But I just... You and I have to decide, really, on a daily basis whether we're in this thing or not. Whether we're going to be a part of proclaiming Christ. Because, one of my favorite sayings, life is a mission trip. Right? Uh, your, your exuberance is overwhelming. Easy. Easy. Life is a mission trip. And you and I just have to decide, am, am I going to, to be a part of this work? that God, if, if God is who the Bible says he is, and if God's trying to do, trying to enter work in people's lives and draw them unto yourself as the Bible says, that you and I have to decide whether we're going to be a part of this or not. And so I had to decide, am I going to you know, open the door, nice to meet you, Steve, and go on downstairs and, and start in my work? Or am I going to begin to try and engage and just see where the conversation goes? And so I did. I did just began to ask Steve some questions. You know, where are you from? You live, been, been in Raleigh all your life? No, where are, you, where are you from? you married? You got kids? What brought you to this area? That kind of stuff. You know, just stuff, just talking to people. Eventually, I gave Steve an iVite card. And when I gave him an iVite card, you know what he said? The first thing he said to me, and, and it's, I already knew Steve, uh, not in sure he told me, he said, man, I... I hadn't been in church in a long time. That's what he said. I don't know what that meant. He said, I hadn't been in church in a long time. And when I gave him an IVAC card, you know what he said? He said, he got kind of animated. He said, do you think the world is coming to an end? Do you think the world is coming to an end soon? And I, listen, I went, and before I could even answer, he said, man, there's just a lot of stuff going on in this world. I'm pretty sure the world is coming to an end. There's disasters and there's, there's um, all kinds of stuff happening. I just think the world's coming to an end pretty soon. Yeah. <laughs> but no, there, and, and I just... They need hope. And I was just able to share a little bit with Steve about, about God's purposes and God's plans for our life and that God's not caught off guard by anything that's, that's going on. And Man, our, our talk, it's, it's got to it's offer hope to people. So, here's what we know. First essential, prayer. Second essential, share. Share means our walk. It's got to be authentic and attractive and includes our talk. It should be humble and it should be hopeful. Paul seems to be drawing out there that we've got to think about this. We've got to be, we've got to be wise about how we approach people. We've got, to, we've got to develop some patterns and some plans and we've got to prayerfully strategize for the expansion of the kingdom of God. Let me just say this uh, real quickly. I don't want to put him on the spot uh, too much, but some of you in here know Mike and Pam uh, Young. Uh, they're sitting right over there. Uh, if we had a camera, we'd zoom in on Mike right now. No. Some of y'all know Mike and Pam Young. Uh, you may not know, Mike is a graduate of Southeastern Seminary. He has a master's from Southeastern Seminary and uh, has answered God's call to vocational ministry. And the area that he has served primarily in is in the area of uh, what's called pastoral administration. Uh, they're the guys that are, that, that are able to, to get everything done. You know, like, like I'm, I'm kind of an idea guy. I think, oh, it'd be cool if we did this. Oh, it'd be cool if we do that. And then the staff is like, huh, because Mike's one of those kind of—he's in the area of administration. Mike and Pam have just been prayerfully, patiently waiting for God to open uh, doors of ministry opportunity, but in the meantime, uh, God brought them here to Cross Culture, and they've been actively engaged in the ministries here at Cross Culture Church, as as many of you are. But recently, we approached Mike about the idea of prayerfully considering taking on a new role at uh, Cross Culture Church, and he has agreed to take that role on as that of missions pastor uh, for Cross Culture Church. Now... Uh, the, here's, quite frankly, we, we can't pay Mike anything. <laughs> we, we, we can't pay him anything for, for the services that he's going to be doing. And if a, uh, if a ministry, if, if a vocational ministry comes along, a door opens, and Mike and Pam feel led to do it, they, they've got to go and, and, and take that. But in the meantime, they're here, and we've asked them to to, to help us develop a strategy for how we're going to Share the message of Jesus And that's part of what Mike and his administrative skills Are going to be doing Helping us develop, design And implement this mission strategy And, and that's not to say we don't do some stuff now We do, right? Y'all are awesome, unbelievable we, We've got our public safety days And our family fun days And our, our family movie nights We've got our, our uh, uh, love your neighbor days That our life groups do Right? We, we've got our adopt a teacher project By the way, Bill, how many teachers do we have left still to adopt? How many? 19, 19 teachers still who signed their name and said, I would like to be adopted by someone in your church. 19, 19. <laughs> if you've not adopted a teacher, will you adopt a teacher today? Would you see Bill? Uh, he can tell you all about what that means. You don't have to send their kids through college, All right. You don't have to prepare a 401 k plan for them or anything like that. It's not what adopting them is. It just means you're going to pray for them, care about them, maybe send them a card now again, a few goodies a couple of times during the year. But, but we need to cover these teachers. And so uh, see Bill right after the service uh, about that. So we're, we're, inv- we're engaged. We're doing some of these things, especially on a local level. We've sent some mission teams to, to China and to uh, 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 Haiti. And yeah, <laughs> I was on that trip. Tarantulas! <laughs> I don't even need to go down that road. Nobody told me there were tarantulas in Haiti until I got there. And saw one on the ceiling coming towards me. Um, Anyway. Uh, so we're doing some stuff, but folks, we, we gotta get we gotta get more serious about this. We have to we have to develop something. so I'm really excited about that. Bill Hopkins, our life group pastor, has been trying to double up and do some mission responsibilities well and he's built a team. But quite honestly, it's it's a bit overwhelming and more than can be done and, and Bill's gonna focus on life groups, and so I'm really excited about Mike and Pam and their involvement in this in this mission strategy. And you'll be hearing more from Mike and more about that in the days ahead. But but we gotta share. We gotta share. We gotta share. Starts with prayer, leads to share. One finally central, real quickly, if I can fly through this one. Care, care. I'm not going to go through and read uh, uh, verse 7 through the end of the chapter. Again, we just don't have time to do that. But throughout those pages, you can really see the letter, you know, because we, we call this like the book of Colossians. But just remind you, it was a letter that Paul wrote from a prison to the people in Colossae. And when you, as it gets to the end here, it really takes that letter kind of flavor to it, doesn't it? You, you kind of, oh yeah, this is a letter. It's not just instructions, it's, not, it's a letter. And you really can sense this relationship that Paul has with these people that are involved in this work with him. According to Warren Wearsby, more than 100 people, named and unnamed, In the book of Acts and in Paul's letters that are involved with him, contending by his side for the advancement of the message of Jesus, for sharing the good news. They're proclaiming Christ. They're all involved in this. And two words, two two aspects of this. I'll give them to you at the same time. Love and loyalty. So you can fill in your blanks and not leave here mad at me. Love and loyalty. These people loved each other. And they were loyal to each other. And they were loyal to the work of the kingdom. They were involved in this thing. And that is an important aspect of proclaiming Christ. Michelle Gordon, I see you sitting back there. I'm not, uh, uh, fortunately for you, I could not get you on the phone. I tried to call you uh, this, this weekend. So I won't, I won't put you on the spot and make you come up here. But last Sunday night, and y'all had a, a surprise dinner for me. And that was so very, very nice of you. Thank you to, to everybody. But Michelle was just sharing... I think with, with, with Ashley and myself about how, and Ashley may have even asked her how she came to cross culture. And she just started sharing. And I'm telling you, it just, it blessed me. It so blessed me to hear Michelle talk about, and I think it was, it was uh, Bill and Beverly's life group that originally Michelle moved into their apartment complex area and her life, their life group just started reaching out to her. And she was talking about how for two weeks, is that what she said, Michelle? For like two weeks solid, just moved into the area. This, this life group brought meals to her and her family every, every night. And I was just thinking about that's that's what this is, and she said she just she was just attracted to that. It's caring for people, and I thought, you know, thank you, Lord, that we have people that care. And, and, and I thought about uh, I thought about genuine uh, the young lady, uh, the high school student that was found herself pregnant with twins, and and we came alongside and we ministered her and we and we helped her. I delivered some diapers this week uh, to where her mom. Lives And the people, the, the ladies in the office, they were just like blown away that we just continue to, to bless in that way. And I was thinking about the family who's, who lost everything in a fire and how y'all responded to that. And I was thinking about the students and carrying those blankets down there that y'all, y'all donated. It's, it's that idea of caring for each other and for the world around us. That people say, wow, what, what makes them do that? What makes them spend their money or give their time or make those sacrifices? Why would they do that? I'm telling you, we got to care. Maybe you've seen this verse, John chapter 13, verse 35. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Now, do we get along all the time? Nah. Do we get on each other's nerves sometimes? Yeah. Do we make each other mad from time to time? Probably. As a matter of fact, by the way, uh, in verse 10, Paul mentions uh, Barnabas' cousin, Mark, That's the same mark, ladies and gentlemen, that bailed out on Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey in Acts chapter 13 because it got too tough. And when Paul went out on his next missionary journey, and Barnabas said, I think we ought to take Mark. And Paul said, I think not. And, and Barnabas and, and, and Paul kind of got, got into it about this, and the result was that their ministries went in separate directions. The, the kingdom still advanced either way, but they but went in different directions because Paul was not taking Mark after what Mark had done on the last time. But now here in the letter to Colossae, we find that Paul, there's Paul right there again with Mark, and he's, he's extended grace, and he's offered forgiveness, and he's even commending Mark to the Colossians. If he comes to you, man, you treat him well. See, it's, that, that's who we are. That's what we do, ladies and gentlemen. We care. We care. I I read a book, and I'll close with this. I read a book a few years ago entitled The Church of Irresistible Influence by uh, Robert Wilkins, Robert Lewis, and Rob Wilkins. Thank you. Um, And in the book, the premise of the book, and the book kind of opens basically with this question. It says this, if your church ceased to exist tomorrow... In other words, if you closed the doors and went out of business, if cross-culture church closed the doors and went out of business tomorrow, would anybody in this community even notice? That was the question that the book is built upon. And then, and then they go on and say, and if that were the case, how tragic is that? That a church could be in a community for, for a few months or a few years or a hundred years and could close its doors and nobody even notices? No, we, we, we have to have such an impact on our community. We have to care so much that people might even end up saying, Oh, I'm not sure if I agree with, that, with their Jesus, but I sure am glad that church meets in Leesville Road High School. I sure am glad they're in our community. I sure am glad they care. We want to proclaim Christ. That's our calling as a church. And the church is the individual believer's. There are three essentials Paul brings out here in Colossians chapter 4. Prayer, share, and care. Will you and I care enough to join in this work and make the name of Jesus famous?
0: sharing and caring two more essentials for proclaiming christ to the world around us as we heard pastor clay say today our walk has to be authentic and attractive as people watch our lives and see the difference christ can make our talk has to be humble and hopeful if they're going to listen and as pastor clay showed us the way we care for each other and for others demonstrates that god's love is real and that it changes our lives We want to thank you for being with us today. And if you don't have a church home, we'd like to invite you to join us on Sundays here at Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. We're glad you joined us for this week's message on Crosswalk.